Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. The Suns have 14 fouls. Leonard wants another three. He'll get another three. Leonard shooting 42% from beyond the arc on the season. It's a five-point L.A. lead. They get it inbounded out of Booker. Gordon set up on Durant. Booker on the drive, comes in with the left hand. Westbrook with the block and the save as he knocked it off of the foot of Devin Booker. I just think, Devin, if, you, if, you don't, if you're not assured of, of a layup, you've got to take that three. Stafford, Akers will try once more. Akers, ball pops out, the ball loose at the goal line. The Cardinals have it. Akers coughs it up. And watch Buda Baker, heat-seeking missile, puts his helmet right on the football and just pries it loose. Three and two to Garrett Cooper. Got him. Zach Gallen gets through six with strikeout number six. And we head to the seventh in Miami. Gallon dealing up 5 nothing. And Carter by Struess. After the Kuzma gets right down and drives into love. And, and Giannis, Giannis is hurt. Down. And Giannis. I think he's holding that back. He is. John Morant gets into the paint. Please catch with Jackson. Five on the 24. Vanderbilt trying to stay with him. Morant inside. Offensive foul. Anthony Davis steps in and draws the charge. Everything defensively. And that's three on Morant. Morant's shaken up. The Warriors back up by two. Bunk. One more. Fox walks into the three. There's your answer. Two more games to go tomorrow afternoon and Sunday afternoon. Swing a little tamper back to the mound. Romano's got it. He throws to first in this winning streak. Comes to an end for the Tampa Bay Rays in game number 14. They lose for the first time this year. On a Friday night in Toronto, the Blue Jays defeat the Rays. Now two-way, here is Correa. And he hits a high fly to center. Judge going back on the track. And it's caught guy Cabrera right on the track right next to him. Ball game over. Yankees win. The Yankees win. Oh, Garrett Cole pitches a complete game. And he allows only three men to get on base. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Monday, April 17th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7, the Suns rank the panic meter after the game one loss. The Cardinals, should they trade Buda Baker? The Diamondbacks, can we eliminate the Zach Gallen questions? Back to the NBA playoffs with the Bucks and the Grizzlies. Overcome injuries to Giannis and Morant. 
And how important was the Kings capturing game one against the Warriors? On the diamond, what stood out over the weekend? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15 or so around the NBA, Kyle Irving will join us from the uh, Sporting News. 9.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup topped by the Suns and Clippers, uh, some game one analysis. The final segment will be the national roundup. That will be topped by some uh, latest line for uh, NBA, uh, the NBA playoffs moving forward. And uh, some Major League Baseball, maybe time for some from the scoreboard uh, also for Major League Baseball over the weekend. Then after the sports zone, it's the uh, Extra Point, hosted by Kayla from 10 to noon. Then that includes some uh, more Suns and Clippers discussion with Doug Haller of The Athletic. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, how would you rank the Suns' panic meter after the Game 1 loss to the Clippers? High, moderate, or low are your options. And Kayla is here and has the early returns. We have a 50-50 split between high and moderate and no love for low. Okay. The Suns' seven-and-a-half-point consensus favorites a tip were uh, badly outplayed in the end of the third and fourth quarters in the 115-110 loss to the Clippers. Why did the Suns fall in game one to the Clippers, in addition to that poll question? All right, today's Twitter poll question, should the Cardinals trade Buda Baker and Kayla, what's going on here? We have over on Twitter, at KDUS AM 1060, uh, yes, 75% of the vote, no trailing at 25%. The Cardinals' five-time Pro Bowl safety has requested a trade from the franchise, which based on the offseason move so far, that franchise is certainly rebuilding. By the way, DeAndre Hopkins on Sunday declared he does not want to be traded. Also on the local front today, and ripped from the headlines, the Diamondbacks lost a series for the first time this season with Friday and Saturday losses at Miami before Zach Gallen was dominant. He outpitched reigning Cy Young Award winner Sandy Alcantara on Sunday. What stood out to you, good and or bad, during the Diamondbacks' weekend series loss at Miami? Meanwhile, spanning the globe from the NBA postseason, injuries were the primary theme on Sunday, unfortunately, with the Greek freak and John Morant uh, going down in Milwaukee and Memphis in their Game 1 home losses. Uh, the Bucks lose and the Grizzlies lose. Uh, will the Bucks and or Grizzlies overcome injuries to Giannis and John Morant? Saturday's headline was the uh, playoff inexperienced Kings rallying from 10 down in the second half and outplaying the championship experience Warriors throughout the fourth quarter. How important was it that the Kings won game one against the Warriors? Meanwhile, on the diamond, the Rays are no longer unbeaten, uh, but Garrett Cole is still unbeaten. The Rays' winning streak to begin the season ended at 13 on Friday night at Toronto, and they lost again on Saturday before they bounced back by pounding Alex Manoa, who was not helped by some really bad uh, Jays' defense last yesterday and, uh, and the Jays' loss. But uh, 
there's that. We'll have more on that. And actually, that might be, uh, you know, Manoa may face uh, Garrett Cole this Friday, by the way. Speaking of Garrett Cole, uh, he has been unbelievable so far. He moved to 4-0 and zero on Sunday with a complete game two-hit shutout against the Twins. What stood out to you, either team-wise or individually, during the MLB weekend? In addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what caught your eye since our last show? All right, that is the pipeline for today. We will get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Uh, basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules... Or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. All right, coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by around the NBA playoffs with Kyle Irving of the Sporting News. We'll start with the Suns, and uh, we'll go through the weekend of playoff action. Saturday was um, interesting. You had a couple of opposited games, and then you had a tremendous game in Sacramento for on Saturday night. And then yesterday, unfortunately, as we mentioned in the pipeline, injuries kind of uh, stole the headlines, needless to say, uh, before the Suns lost to the Clippers. Uh, once again, bottom of the hour to be phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Sixers lost for the uh, the excuse me the Suns lost for the first time with Kevin Durant in the lineup. That was uh, the first playoff game, obviously game one of the series against the Clippers. Out to the KDUS hotline we go and to go around the uh, first round of the NBA playoffs and talk some Suns from yesterday. We're now joined in Sports Zone by Kyle Irving of the Sporting News and Kyle. Good to have you on the show. And uh, let's start with the Suns. They had not lost a game one in any playoff series with Chris Paul until Sunday. What stood out to you during the Clippers? They had the nine-point second-half rally, and they really dominated the fourth quarter. So what stood out to you? I think the biggest thing to me and where the Suns kind of lost that game was there was probably a five-minute stretch in the fourth quarter where Kevin Durant didn't take a shot. And, you know, DeAndre Aiden had that little mid-range jumper push shot going. And obviously, you know, him and Kawhi Leonard were guarding each other on both ends of the floor. And, you know, when you have Kawhi Leonard draped all over you, it's tough to get someone like Kevin Durant's ball. But at the same time, you know, that's why you brought him in, and that's why they traded all the draft picks and all the assets they did to acquire a player of his caliber. And I thought he did a great job of playmaking for his teammates and, you know, kind of taking what was there and what was available to him without having to force anything. But at the same time, you know, one possession game late in the fourth quarter, 
it's unacceptable for Kevin Durant to only take one shot attempt in the last seven minutes of the game. So, you know, him and Kawhi Leonard are going to expend a lot of energy guarding each other on both ends of the floor, especially in the game's biggest moments the way they were last night. But I still think that, you know, that's where someone like Chris Paul comes in and has to find a way to get Kevin Durant a touch and get him, in, you know, get him a good look uh, down the stretch of the game when, you know, really the Suns kind of let that one slip away. Okay, kind of answered my second question first, which is fine, but I'll just kind of uh... – you know, kind of uh, expand here a bit. Obviously, the playoffs, a lot of it's about adjustments from game to game. So other than getting Durant the ball down the stretch, what do the Suns most need to do differently in Tuesday's game two? I think what the Suns need to do is just to make sure that someone other than Kawhi Leonard isn't beating them. You know, I thought Kawhi looked incredible yesterday. He, over the last month or so, has really found his rhythm again. He looks like he's fully recovered from that ACL injury that kept him out all last year. Um, you know, he was getting to his spots. He's so surgical. Everything looks so easy and effortless when he's getting it done on the offensive end, and he's still such a pest on the defensive end. But, you know, I mean, they had guys like Norman Powell pouring in points off the bench. they got to keep a Vicka Zubac off the glass. Uh, Russell Westbrook, who, you know, shot three for 19, but really just seemed like he wanted it more than anybody else on the floor at the end of the night last night, coming up with defensive stops. He pulled down a couple of huge offensive rebounds, had a massive kick out to Kawhi for three. That kind of felt like a dagger in that game. It's making sure that, you know, with Paul George out of the lineup, it can't be other players that are beating this Suns team. Kawhi Leonard is going to get his, but you need to make sure that guys like Westbrook and guys like Norman Powell, uh, guys like Zubas, aren't doing the damage they did yesterday because the Suns just don't have the same depth that the Clippers do, even though their starting five is as good as anybody's in the league. Is there anything you think that Monty Williams could do differently? Um, I mean, to me, I feel like with Monty Williams, I feel like the Suns yesterday, they, they did a good job of getting Devin Booker and Kevin Durant their shots. They did a good job distributing the offense evenly, and that's, you know, a lot of that credit goes to Chris Paul as well. But I think that it really is just kind of making sure that you're taking the ball out of Kawhi Leonard's hands and, and making life a little bit more difficult for him, whether that's throwing multiple bodies at him, making sure, you know, guys like Kevin Durant and Torrey Craig are both seeing some reps on him so that way it's not just all on KD to play on both ends of the floor. I also think that, you know, on the offensive end, like I was saying, it's just trying to get creative and running different sets to make sure that Kevin Durant can get some open looks because, you know, last night, even in the fourth quarter when he was knocking down some shots, it felt like those were really tough shots where he's just, you know, it's good offense for uh, up against solid defense. But, you know, whether it's setting screens or finding ways to free him up and create some space away from Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, it feels like that's probably the answer of just trying to make sure that everybody's getting touches on offense, and that way it's not so predictable when they're trying to get the ball to Kevin in the fourth quarter. Kyle Irving of the Sporting News, currently in the sports. Um, all right, the Bucks lost game one and lost Giannis, at least for the majority of that game, to a back injury against the Heat. How do we evaluate this series moving forward? I know Giannis a big question, needless to say, but Tyler Hero also – he is out uh, indefinitely after breaking two fingers on his shooting hand. So how do we uh, how do we move on in this uh, series uh, as far as trying to evaluate it? To me, yesterday it really did feel like the Bucks were kind of uh, you know <laughs> to use what Jimmy Butler had posted on his Instagram uh, last night after they came away with the win. Uh, they looked like a deer in headlights after Giannis went down, and, and you know obviously it's tough to replace a player like that. But the Bucks are still such a deep team with players like Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. Uh, Brooke Lopez, and it just didn't really feel like they ever found a rhythm after Giannis went out of the lineup. 
the Heat brought the energy yesterday, which is something that we didn't really see from them in either of their first two playing tournament games. You know, they're not afraid of the Bucs. They've beaten this team in a playoff series before. They like to play real physical, and I think we saw that yesterday. Drew Holiday got in a little bit of foul trouble in the first half. But to me, like you said, it's massive for the Heat to lose Tyler Harrow. I mean, that's a, that's a fractured hand on his, on his shooting hand. And the Heat already had the worst offensive rating of any team in the NBA playoffs going into this. They struggled to score in the half court, and I thought they did a good job of picking up the pace yesterday to kind of make up uh, for what they lack on the offensive end in the half court. Jimmy Butler is obviously an incredible player in the playoffs, but you know, losing a player like Tyler Harrell for likely the entire postseason, uh, they said he's going to be out for four to six weeks. Um, you know, they're going to have to find offense in, in other areas. And I think that the Bucks, you know, whether Giannis plays in game two or not, and it does seem like he's trending and being available for game two, uh, the, the Heat are going to have to find ways to make up that offensive output because Tyler Harrell averages 20 points per game. He's their third leading scorer, and that's already their biggest weakness. The Lakers uh, win game one at Memphis, and John Morant unable to return with his hand injury. Uh, the Lakers, they're now two-and-a-half-to-one favorites in this series to advance. Memphis already without Adams and Clark. Is there any way they can slow down AD in this series? Yeah, that was the biggest you know, blow to the Grizzlies, and it doesn't seem like it would be that much of a difference. But losing somebody like Steven Adams, just a big physical body, who really could make life rough for Anthony Davis, who at times you know, doesn't seem like he wants to play physical unless he has a serious advantage the way that we saw yesterday. Uh, you know, I think the Grizzlies, they do still have a shot because they shoot the ball a lot better than the Lakers usually. You know, John Moran is such a dynamic player, but he's dealing with a hand injury himself. But, you know, without someone like Steven Adams or without another big man, another versatile big man like Brandon Clark, that's a lot of pressure on Jaron Jackson Jr. to make up, you know, the entire Lakers front court. And they tried some different things yesterday, you know, playing him off of Anthony Davis to kind of put him in almost like a free safety role where he can kind of protect the rim and not really have to worry about that one-on-one matchup. But then you're asking a lot out of guys like Xavier Tillman and Santi Aldama, who, you know, really shouldn't be forced to put, be put in that big of a spot in the playoffs. So I actually do think the advantage swings to the Lakers here. On top of that, just with the postseason experience that LeBron James has, you know, he never looked flustered in that game. And I feel like that confidence is instilled in players across the board, like Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves, who stepped up the way that they did yesterday. So, you know, if the Lakers are going to be getting contributions from the other guys the way that they did on top of the performance that Anthony Davis had, the Grizzlies are in trouble. Going back to Saturday, the Kings, they rallied from 10 down late in the third quarter. They really could completely outplay the Warriors in the fourth quarter of that game. Are the more experienced Warriors in trouble after losing game one? And what happens tonight in game two in your mind? I always felt like that was going to be a tough one for the Warriors to win in the first place because, you know, we knew the Golden 1 Center was going to be absolutely rocking in their first playoff game in 16 years. That fan base has been waiting so long for that, and the Warriors have struggled on the road all season. But at the same time, the Warriors also have the longest streak in NBA history. I think it's 27 consecutive series where they've won at least one road playoff game, and I actually do think that that win comes tonight. Uh, You know, the the Kings have been one of the best fourth-quarter teams all year, and De'Aaron Fox feels like a shoe-in to win clutch player of the year but you know when we saw them step up in the fourth quarter they don't they don't shy away from that moment but I also think that you know the Warriors they kind of played a flawed game in the fourth quarter the other night Stephen Curry was able to get his look but you know someone like Andrew Wiggins who's been out for two months and I thought he played really well for somebody that had been out for two months but he shot one for eight from three including a wide open look that could have won the game in the final seconds to me that's a shot that I feel like goes down if he had been 
you know, getting his normal reps and they've been in rhythm the way that we saw in the last NBA playoffs. And it's just kind of marginal things like that that I feel like the Warriors will adjust. And, you know, that, that Kings team, they're not going to be afraid of this matchup. I feel like they almost feel disrespected that they're the underdog in this series. Um, but, you know, that's what it's like when you're going up against the dynasty like the Warriors are. And, you know, I think that with players like Malik Monk, who, you know, exploded off the bench the other night, Draymond Green said it himself, that, that they just can't afford that. The Warriors can't afford that. But it's also not something that they expect to happen every game. And, you know, I think when, with the adjustments the Warriors will make going into tonight, I feel like Golden State gets it done in game two. Talking NBA playoffs with Kyle Irving of the Sporting News. The Knicks, they led most of the game at Cleveland, then they fell behind, but the Knicks made the big plays in the final moments, especially Jalen Brenson. Do you now do you now expect New York to win this series? And what can Cleveland do or do how can they get Mobley and Allen Moore involved uh in game two? To me, it felt like Mobley and Allen weren't really ready for the physicality that the Knicks had brought all season. Um, you know, Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle have done a great job of roughing up front courts all year. And it kind of almost felt like they were scared of the moment a little bit. Um, and then, you know, you have someone like the Knicks who, or someone like Jalen Brunson, who that's exactly why the Knicks brought him in to step up in clutch time. Um, but, you know, Donovan Mitchell had an incredible game in game one. I feel like he held his weight. I expected a little bit more out of Darius Garland and, you know, whether that's being able to set up his big men and put them in a position to be successful. Uh, off of dribble drive the way that he has all year, finding them in the dunker spot, throwing lobs. Um, you know, it didn't really seem like the Cavaliers kind of got into that type of rhythm offensively. A lot more of it was kind of just Donovan Mitchell being as great as he is, bailing them out. So I think it's for the Cavs, it's kind of just, you know, getting back to what they did all season, which is, you know, all four of those guys adding contributions to this team. Um, And, you know, the Knicks are a good team. They're physical. They're not the defensive team that they were last year. They've actually relied on their offense a little bit more this year, which is, you know, not atypical of a Tom Thibodeau team. Um, but, you know, I still think the Cavaliers are the more talented team in this series. I had originally taken the Cavaliers to win this series in seven games. I still feel like that's probably the way that it's going to trend. But I still think this is going to be one of the best series that we see in the first round of the playoffs. Okay, now on to some maybe not-so-good series. You know, the Celtics crushed the Hawks in game one. They led by 32, won by 13. Does Atlanta playing better in the second half and maybe figuring some stuff out? Does that matter the rest of this series? I think what Atlanta did in the second half is they stopped letting Boston get anything that they wanted at the rim. Um, I do think that they made some progress in terms of, you know, trying to take a dent on the Celtics in this series. But at the same time, it does feel like they're almost completely unmatched. The way that the Celtics spread that Atlanta Hawks defense out and force guys like Clint Capella and John Collins to try and defend on the perimeter. It just leaves the paint wide open for guys like Jalen, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart to attack. And then when, you know, Capella collapses at the rim, they kick out and the Celtics have five shooters on the floor almost at all times, except for when Robert Williams is on the floor. The Hawks are going to have to try and make some adjustments to shore up the paint because, you know, the Celtics almost had more points in the paint than the Hawks had total points at halftime in game one. Um, you know, I think they made – the right adjustments on the defensive end in the second half, but are they going to be able to string that together for an entire game? The Hawks weren't able to do it any time they played the Celtics in the regular season, and I feel like that game, that series looks like it's headed to you know, Boston either a sweep or a gentleman sweep in five games. And the Sixers, their victory over the Nets never really seemed to be in doubt. The one thing that did stand out to me is that James Harder, uh, James Harden, excuse me, ASU alum, who's not exactly Mr. Playoffs in the past uh, over the years. He had seven threes 
Is the fact that he was so good to start a series, is is that a big deal moving forward after just one game in this series? Yeah, I mean, to me, he felt like the biggest difference maker in game one. He was in complete control the entire game. And, you know, the 76ers, they only got like 23 points from Joel Embiid, which is for someone who led the league in scoring, averaging 33 a game, that was a relatively quiet game on his end. And it felt like the, the Brooklyn Nets kind of fired everything they could at Philly. I mean, Mikel Bridges was absolutely incredible creating off the dribble. He had 30 points on 18 shots. And you would think that if he had 30 points, you know, the, the uh, Nets would have been able to make that a little bit more competitive, and they were still blown out by 20 in a game where Embiid didn't really have it going. And I think a lot of that credit goes to James Harden, just making sure that everybody was getting touches. I mean, he's one of the greatest playmakers I've ever seen in my time. Uh, he was finding guys like Tobias Harris. Tyrese Maxey had a really good game, and Joel Embiid still got his touches where he needed. So, again, just completely outmatched. It feels like the 76ers are probably going to be going home. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, the Nets are probably going to be going home in four games. All right, the Nuggets cruised last night against the Wolves. Is there anything the Wolves can do to make this a a series? That one, to me, felt like, you know, another example of it just shows how good this Nuggets team is. Nikola Jokic, kind of similar to what I was just saying about Embiid. I mean, he fouled out of the game. He only had 16 points. He only played 28 minutes, and it didn't matter. I mean, the Nuggets just were completely uh, – they completely outmatched the Timberwolves. They just have so many guys that can beat you. Jamal Murray, to me, looks like he is all the way back from that ACL injury that he suffered a few years ago. I mean, the shot-making is absolutely incredible, and we saw that last night. He really got going. But, you know, whether it's guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope or Aaron Gordon, like this Nuggets team, it really does feel like it doesn't matter who's doing the scoring, who's doing the damage. Jokic doesn't care even though he's the MVP candidate. As long as they win, that's all that matters. And last night, you know, that Wolves team, they almost looked a little bit scared at the moment, um, you know, coming off of a couple tough playing games. Uh, they're trying. They're still trying to figure out at this point in the season how to work Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, into the offense on the same end of the floor. And on top of that, Anthony Edwards is trying to get his shots. It's just kind of a jumbled mess in Minnesota right now. And with how well-oiled the machine the Denver Nuggets are, again, that's another series that I see ending in about five games. So is that really good Nuggets defense or just confusion at the offensive end from the Wolves? (laughs) I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think the Nuggets really looked like they were dialed in defensively last night. Um, And, you know, they at times this season – have been able to do that with guys like Aaron Gordon, who's, you know, a really, really solid defender, and Jokic holds his own down there. And I, I think that, you know, with how clogged the paint gets at times, it almost makes it a little bit easier to defend the Timberwolves because they don't necessarily always have a ton of shooting around the perimeter. So you can kind of pack the paint against guys like Rudy and Carl Anthony Towns. But, you know, would I expect the Timberwolves to be stuck around 80 points the entire series? Probably not because the Nuggets aren't exactly the best defensive team in the league. But I think last night was a good example of, them just being more prepared than Minnesota and knowing exactly what they had to do to get the job done. Kyle, this has been great. We'll uh, hopefully use your basketball brain later in the playoffs. Thanks much. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Kyle Irving of the Sporting News. Great stuff there from him. Next segment, it is phone call time, 602-260-1060, general discussion. We'll get to some local roundup from today. We'll get to uh, some Suns analysis, depending on uh, – how much uh, phone call volume we might have, 602-260-1060. If you want to jump aboard, as I mentioned, general discussion. Get to some suns at some strategical point, either the next segment or the next couple hours during the extra point, a little bit in the Diamondbacks from the weekend. Certainly, Zach Gallon was good yesterday, but you know, I think there were some issues on Friday and Saturday, however, that uh, we will point out at some strategical point 
before we get done with our three-hour radio block of local programming before noon today. Uh, So stay tuned for that at, uh, as I mentioned, some strategical point. You are listening to Sports Now with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7. Have you downloaded the KDUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 602-260-1060. With the phone calls in a couple minutes, but first up, the Suns got out hustled yesterday from start to finish. Mostly got out hustled by Russell Westbrook. And also, Kevin Durant was the best player on the floor. The Suns trailed by 16 in the first half, led by 9 in the third quarter, then got outscored 15-9 to over the last 3 minutes and 9 seconds at the, uh, to end the third quarter. And then they got outplayed completely in the last 3 minutes of the game. Turned out to be a 115-110 loss in Game 1. Sunday's Game 1 loss was the... Uh, the first loss that the Suns had lost, um, first time they'd lost a game one in the postseason since Chris Paul become, became a member of the Suns. I mentioned the end of the third quarter. The Suns with Josh Akobe, Ish Wainwright, and Josh Landale on the floor to close that third quarter. They were outscored 11-4 to in that quarter, and they entered the fourth quarter tied at 81 after the bench was bad. Monty Williams, for most of the game, did not trust his bench, and based on the numbers I just mentioned, the bench didn't give him much of a reason to trust them. Meanwhile, the bench total scored uh, 10 points in 45 minutes. Uh, They were completely outplayed. They were also really not very uh, productive. 3 out of 12 from the field, 0 out of 3 from behind the arc, 4 out of 8 from the free throw line. The bench... 45 minutes, I mentioned. They had nine rebounds and two assists, so they didn't really do anything. Didn't score, didn't rebound, didn't really move the ball around. Kevin Durant finished with a near triple-double, 27 points, 11 rebounds, and nine assists. But he, like the team, started slowly. He only had one point and one rebound in the first quarter of that game. One last thing for now, Russell Westbrook was certainly a positive difference maker for the Clippers. He shot horribly, 3 out of 19, but he had 10 rebounds, half of those at the offensive end. He had 8 assists, 3 block shots, 2 steals, plus he was the loose ball king. I wish they actually kept stats for I mean, teams do this, uh, but uh, it was not an official loose ball stat. But there is zero doubt in my mind that he had more loose ball recoveries than anybody else on either team. He might add more loose ball recoveries of any team, any player in any of the eight games played this weekend in the NBA playoffs. All right, we'll have more on the Suns later on during the extra point, and uh, maybe have a little more on the Diamondbacks in this segment. But first up, on to the phone lines we go, Monroe and Glendale. What's going on, Monroe? Hello, Bob. Hi. Um, on, a, on a humorous note, did you hear yeah. Reggie Miller say that uh, Kevin Young was a future Kevin Love was a future Hall of Famer? I did not hear that. I would have chuckled a little bit. I mean, he's a he's been a good player. I know he's won a championship. 
He was certainly good. Was that game yesterday? Whenever the hell Miami played, it was yesterday, right? Yeah. Uh, he yeah, was certainly good Hall yesterday. Of, yeah, he's, he's not. He's a Hall of I mean, Very Good, right? He's a Hall of Very Good. That's true. If you want to make a case for Kevin Love, you can include his college days. I mean, sure. uh, yeah, no, no, in the, it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. Uh, so, you know, he actually, I believe he won a gold medal, too. So I guess that would help his basketball hall of fame credentials but yeah it's uh yeah so i'm needless to say you know me well enough you've listened to me long enough that uh yeah i would not consider kevin love to be a candidate to be in the basketball hall of fame yeah um it seems to me with this such a tremendous game the tongue twister russell westbrook uh (laughs) had i believe that his shooting is the reason why the Suns got back into the game in the first place. It was That's entirely where, possible. Yeah. That was sorry, one point ahead. where Van, Van Gundy had pointed out that the Suns had a 12-0 run from the end of the second through halfway through the third. Uh, and it's because of, he says, Russell should probably just stop shooting by now because he's, he's like two for 13 at that point in time. But uh, such a tremendous game, it just seems to me that somebody should say, don't think of yourself as the first option on your shot. I don't know how you fix that, but that to me is going to be their biggest challenge, even with Paul George out, because with him out, to me, the Clippers are Toronto 2.0, where it's clear that Kawhi is the guy. Uh, yeah, even though actually, I think that the, these Clippers, I think they've got, you know, I think player by player, I think they have a better roster than the Toronto team when they won the championship. I'm not even including Paul George. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, I, and and all the more reason for him not to be shooting so much. He got no, I Eric agree. Gordon. Eric Gordon, man, that dude, get him, yeah. get him the ball, get him the ball. I don't after, he's after a, all this. As I mentioned on Friday, Eric Gordon has killed the Suns in the past, and that's one of the reasons I wanted the Suns to get Eric Gordon at uh, be somehow before the trade deadline or the buyout phase. Or I can't even remember if the Clippers traded for him or if they got him in the buyout thing. But uh, whatever, he's a really good player. I also mentioned Norman Powell on Friday. He's also yeah. had some monstrous games against the Suns. On a, he plays played for a variety of teams. I'm not real sure why. He's played for so many teams because he always seems to be really good for those variety of teams. Uh, but both those guys made big shots against the Suns yesterday. Yeah, and I, I, after, after all is said and done, I really don't have a whole lot of expectation of the Clippers. Uh, so I'm not – I don't think the Suns are done by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I just think that there needs to be – an understanding of who should get shots when it when when uh was it uh number ten for the Suns in the second the third quarter the fourth quarter I can't um, not it, it, Kevin Durant was setting him up for a lot of easy shots and he made a couple of good shots uh but but at the end of the day those are not the guys that should be shooting it should be Booker. I think the Suns have had a problem all year long of who's shooting the ball quite frankly uh especially 
when Ish Wainwright and Akogi are in there jacking up bad shots. Right, um, right, right. Yeah, I know we're all supposed to love those two guys because the local media and uh, the local television broadcasts seem to think that they're you know great. Uh, not necessarily Eddie Johnson, but uh, you know the you know especially the the uh, the uh, in studio people. I don't quite understand the love for you know, Okogie is a nice player coming off the bench, but you can you trust him when it matters? Monty Williams right. couldn't trust him, and when he did, you know they had Wayne Wainwright and Landale and Okogie in there at the end of the third quarter, and to me that's when they really actually lost the game. They were ready to blow yeah. him off the floor. They had a lead, but they were up nine. And then they got outscored and badly outplayed at the end of the third quarter when those guys were on the floor. And I understand Williams is trying to get his starters some rest for the fourth quarter, but uh, that totally backfired. And I think that's maybe the biggest thing for me to look for in game two is how's he going to change his rotation? He's got to do something differently. And, and I'm not buying this crap that they lost because campaign didn't play. Cam, campaign is either really good or not good at all. And nothing in between, so we have no idea if he would have been really good or not very good at all. Yeah, he's definitely got to figure out those rotation issues, uh, and Kevin Durant should not be being rested at this point in time. I'm sorry. He just shouldn't be rested. Um, let me well, switch here. Well, I, I, I don't you – know, it, it's hard for us old-timers to say that you, know, you can't play 48 minutes, but – in this day and age of the NBA, almost nobody plays 48 minutes, even though Leonard damn near did. Uh, and then they still, yeah, you know, Durant was still 40 minutes plus yesterday. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they've got to get something uh, out of the bench in the five minutes that he's not on the floor. Uh, yeah. And the same thing with you when know, Booker's not out there, when Paul's not out there, and actually. Yeah, the fact that Booker is now the backup point guard with campaign out that part is about the only thing I can make a case for that uh, campaign played, the Suns might have won the game because you know, Booker is playing point guard when you know, Paul's, on the, Paul's not playing. And I was a little lit surprised. You know, Sabian Lee's had some decent moments. Doesn't he deserve a little run and you know, see if he can play? And if he can't play, just get him out of there after a couple minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that that Sacramento game, I don't watch a whole lot of regular season games. Uh, I stick my Smart head man. In yeah. But I'm going to tell you, Bob, that's the best basketball game I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it was um, really good. I mean, uh, the Warriors' inability, you know, I knew, you know, everybody knows De'Aaron Fox is really good. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they really couldn't stop anybody. The Warriors couldn't stop anybody. From whoever it was for Sacramento, you know, whether it be Fox or others, Malik Bunk, uh, who's really good, but I mean he's not that good. Uh, they did whatever they wanted. They got in the paint and did. They got to the rim whenever they wanted to in that game, especially in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah, I call them Kentucky West. <laughs> Trey Lyles. That's a good point. <laughs> right, that's uh -oh. true. They got a lot of Kentucky players. Uh, I love the relentlessness of. Fox, he's just a cutthroat. He never lets up. He never, he don't take his foot off the pedal, as they say. That dude just keeps coming and coming and coming. It was a really enjoyable game for once, and then you end up with Atlanta and all those other dread games that kind of was a letdown. So, uh, well, at least, last... at least that game was that game was last, so that was a good thing. I got to hustle up here, Monroe. What else? 
Uh, do, do you believe the rules in baseball? I heard a guy say that these changes are allowing are leading to more singles and doubles in the game as that's, opposed to games. that's without a question. That's been true. Uh, you know, the shift rules have really. I think that's the biggest thing that's changed in baseball. To me, that's even a bigger deal than the pitch clock. Uh, you know, the pitch clock satisfies. I assume uh, television people and uh, television executives and so forth. But the, to me, the game has changed the most because of the shift rules and how many ground balls that were outs in the last X number of years. Uh, ground balls, especially left-handed pull hitters, uh, have been outs for quite a while or now hits. And I think that to me, that's the, big, the biggest change in the first uh, two-plus weeks of the season. Yeah. All right, Bob. Thanks a lot. Okay, good stuff. Thank you. All right, next segment, we'll wrap it up with the uh, National Roundup. We'll get to some NBA lines looking ahead to tonight. Uh, we got two games tonight, Brooklyn at Philadelphia. I'm not sure that's a game uh, they're going to play. Uh, we'll see if uh, Brooklyn can, uh, you know, James Harden was great, as we talked about earlier in the hour. Uh, James Harden, great in a playoff game. That's something we have not discussed on a regular basis over the years. Uh, but at least in game one of a series of the first round, he was the dominant player in game one. And then tonight, game two between Golden State and Sacramento. And uh, Golden State actually uh, a small favorite here. I'll get to that in the next segment, among other things. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7. Show Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. All right, rapid fire National Roundup. Final segment today's Sports Zone. Let's get right to the latest line tonight in the NBA. Brooklyn's at Philadelphia, game two, after uh, Philadelphia won easily in game one. Uh, the Sixers, as you might expect, a big favorite in Game 2, a 10-point favorite, total 213. And then the marquee attraction, Golden State at uh, at Sacramento against uh, the Kings, Game 2, after uh, the Warriors blow the second-half lead and the Kings dominated the fourth quarter in Game 1. And uh, this game opened to pick, Game 2. Uh, however, there's some one and a half. Even I see a two in Las Vegas, but the consensus basically worldwide uh, is the uh, the Warriors a one point road favorite in Game Two. As far as the Suns tomorrow night, hosting uh, the Clippers in Game Two, the Suns open seven. There are some eights in the state of Nevada, but it seems like the uh, worldwide consensus the Suns a seven and a half point favorite in Game Two, and that's where they basically closed yesterday in most worldwide locations. Also on the uh, MLB scoreboard, Garrett Cole off to a dominant 4-0 start. Two-hit shutout yesterday, struck out 10, his fourth career shutout, second complete game in the majors this season by anybody, and he led the Yankees to a 2-0 victory against the Twins yesterday. Cole in four starts this year has is 4-0 and has a 0-95 earned run average he uh, threw 109 pitches yesterday, two hours and seven minutes, and uh, 
pretty amazing how he uh, you know, cruised through the Twins lineup there. Uh, maybe not that amazing because he's been really good against everybody. Meanwhile, Julio Rios of the Dodgers um, did not join Cole on the 4-0 uh, start to the season list. Patrick Wisdom, homer to her third straight game. Cody Bellinger also went deep for the Cubs. As the Cubs defeated the Dodgers 3-2 yesterday, Urias gave up only uh, two earned runs, gave up consecutive home runs, as I mentioned, uh, to uh, Wisdom. I don't know if they were consecutive. Gave home runs to Wisdom and Bellinger. Meanwhile, the Braves off to a hot start. Uh, they're 12-4, and and uh, their rotation and their bullpen has been basically injured, and they're still off to a hot start. Von Grissom just back from the minor leagues, tie-breaking single in the ninth inning. Yesterday, as the Braves won at Kansas City 5-4, to and they finished the series sweep, as you might expect, at lowly Kansas City. As far as uh, today in Major League Baseball, the Diamondbacks, uh, after losing two out of three over the weekend at Florida, uh, continue the six-game road trip. They start uh, tonight, uh, start the first of a three-game series tonight at uh, St. Louis, and Flaherty goes for the Cardinals tonight against Merrill Kelly for the Diamondbacks. And Flaherty and the Cardinals, a minus 160 favorite in tonight's game. Total in that contest, 8.5. In addition, a couple other baseball items. Mike Max Scherzer has scratched from the start yesterday. His next start's been moved back to Wednesday because of lingering shoulder soreness. And also the Yankees placed Giancarlo Stanton on the 10-day injured list with a left hamstring strain. Uh, he uh, hit a double in the Saturday game against uh, the Twins and uh, injured it, uh, basically the hamstring, or maybe even further injured what was already a bad hamstring running to second base. And uh, he had an MR on Sunday, and I didn't see the extent of that. I assume we might find out about that today uh, from the Yankees, but they did place him on the injured list. All right, next two hours, stay tuned. It's the Extra Point. Much more on the Suns, including Doug Haller from The Athletic, and uh, we'll have uh, get to some Diamondbacks at some strategical point, I'm sure, during the Extra Point hosted by Kayla, so stay tuned. This has been the Sports Zone. Thanks for listening.